Howdy doody, everybody. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. We are high atop the Palatial Studios in downtown Indianapolis. And this is the Indiana Outdoor Show. Couldn't be more thrilled to be with you. What a great time of the year, huh? Even if you just get in the car and drive around. Fall is a magical time in the state of Indiana. And frankly, we've had a great fall. And I hope it continues. Should be a beautiful weekend. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. Of course, we're brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives. You know by now it's easy to do. It's free. No health screenings. Sign up to be that all-important organ and tissue donor and save up to eight lives and heal up to 75 others. Making progress. We thank them for their work here with Indiana Outdoors. Big show today. Of course, we are just weeks away from the firearms season. And with that, a lot of folks are going to be scouting and getting things ready, talking about their traditions, getting their camp menus organized and all that good stuff. Joe Caudell is our state deer biologist. He's going to join us here in just a few minutes. And whenever we get a minute, he's one of my favorite people. So knowledgeable, um, so much experience as our state deer biologist. Some things to note about bonus antlerless permits this year, some uh, EHD areas of our state where those quotas have been lowered. Just kind of general chit-chat. Want to get his input on what he thinks, what he's hearing from his peers around the state. Brad Westrich joins us, our non-game memologist. Did you know it was bat week? Yeah, bat week. Not just baseball, It's but the bats, the mammals. Yep, bat week. We're going to find out what that was all about. Very important. Mark Huter is the assistant state fire coordinator and grants were given out some 80 different counties received grants that go to uh, help their fire folks in local volunteer fire departments folks joe Caudell's on the line that means we're not going to take much more time you just come back and join us we're gonna talk about deer season right after this It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. Beautiful week in the state of Indiana. What a beautiful fall. I don't remember such a beautiful fall, at least in the last few years. So much opportunity to get out. Of course, we're brought to you by our good friends at Indiana Donor Network, driven to savelives.org. Just remember it. When you go to buy your hunting and fishing license, you can sign up to be that organ and tissue donor. And speaking of licenses, a lot of licenses are hopefully being sold as we are in our deer season in the state of Indiana, the uh, archery season has been in now for almost a month, and we're just a couple of weeks away from the start of firearm season. No better person to catch up with and generally chit-chat about Indiana and the state of our deer population and the cervids in Indiana than Joe Caudell, our deer biologist. Joe, it's great to have you be a part of Indiana, Out- Indiana Outdoors and kicking us off this morning. How you been? Been good, been good. It's good to be back. Well, you don't do anything for forty nine out of fifty two weeks, and then deer season, know, gun season comes. To, in. I just get to hang out, and occasionally a hunter might call, and we just chat, and then I just yeah, and then it's just. And then three like, weeks, three weeks of deer season, two weeks and three weekends. You're just busier than I'll get out, aren't you? You don't do anything. Exactly, I get all my hours in in just that three weeks. Well, right we know there. we know that's not true. You're one of my favorite. You're one of the Midwest's great deer biologists. You bring such institutional perspective, and you know this is a fascinating time for many people. Uh, just 
things that year to year people start the day after deer season ends looking forward to the next one and it's such a a, a social and a traditional thing and you know we've got we've had beautiful weather here in the deer season that uh, is in right now which is archery season and like you i can remember sitting in tree stands and on october 1st and it snowed and been in other weekends other weeks where i've been deer hunting in october and it's been 90 but this has just been a beautiful season what is your thoughts so far and what you've seen for deer season 2022 well i mean they're definitely up and moving and i was just looking at the numbers and we're actually up uh, from last year and actually from some of the past few years at this time. And I think it's the reason is exactly what you said. It's so nice. You know, it's been so cool. I mean, heck, down here in southern Indiana, we've actually had snow already. And, you know, that makes me want to go out and hunt. And so I'm, you know, I'm assuming it makes everybody else want to get out there and go hunt as well. What do you mean? Our state deer biologist gets out to do a little fun, make his practicing his vocation uh i'm glad to hear that uh we've got a couple things before we get off on any other tangents we want to i think it's important for people to be reminded that there was some ehd uh breakouts in different parts of the state and some of them got hit a little harder than others and that affected deer quotas in a few of our southeastern and eastern counties but specifically generally let's talk about the bonus system and kind of what you saw to require bonus limits this year in many cases reduced uh even substantially where some of the chd took place yeah so you know basically what we're doing is is we're watching the effects of ehd every year now i mean it just seems like it's an an every year thing we're getting reports and you know, when reports start getting so high, and then I, I, I do some calculations to figure out, okay, well, we've got this many reports that may that may mean that there are this many deer dead out there on the landscape. And so, what I do is I look and say, okay, well, if we go from like we were in, let's say, Franklin County at a two down to a one, that would prevent. X number of deer from being harvested. And so I look at that and go, okay, we need to lower that to offset it. Now, what was interesting is we had already lowered it like a year ago or two years ago in Franklin County and a couple of other counties around there because we had a little bit of a minor EHD outbreak. So we brought it from like a three to a two. And so when we saw this happening this year, we were hoping it's like, okay, well, maybe we'll have another you know, medium outbreak or something like that. But it was so large this year in that corner of the state that we actually brought it from a two to a one. So that was that was a bit surprising, but, you know, definitely warranted in that area. And it just eventually helps the deer population recover a bit faster. Well, so deer, that, that's the, kind of our goal. As long as you've been a part of Indiana Outdoors, almost as long as we've been doing this show, the fascination I have for the work that our biologists do never ceases to amaze me. And deer science in particular is very important, not only to the economy, but to a quarter of a million people plus who buy licenses and all those who enjoy going to field and forest this time of the year as we enter one of the most prolific deer hunting parts of the season with the firearm season. A lot of folks haven't been out maybe since last year. What What is your prediction on what you're going to see? And I know that's a hard thing to do, but just kind of watching, hearing surveys, which are very important to you, what do you think is going to happen this year? 
Yeah, and so some work we did a couple of years ago is we looked at trying to figure out kind of where the rut is in the state at different times. Okay. And so Boy, that's an aid. That's a, let's just hover right there, because if you want to ask any deer hunter when the rut occurs and there's a quarter million people that buy licenses, you're getting about two hundred and twenty four thousand different opinions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so to try to keep it, you know, to try to give us at least a uniform way of doing it, what we did is looked at when the peak in deer vehicle collisions occur, because some studies at a University of Georgia they were actually looking at like when deer are being born and that kind of stuff. And they were able to trace it back and it corresponds with a peak in deer vehicle collisions. And so that's what we use to produce our map. And so, you know, what we found is that our rut is, you know, kind of early-ish to mid-November, which the way the timing of our uh, farm season hit you know, the, the basically the first Saturday after Veterans Day. This is going to be a relatively early firearm season, the starter anyway. And so we're going to be much closer to the rut compared to, like, let's say next year when it's pushed essentially a week back. And so the firearm hunters will actually be much, much closer to that peak of that rut this year. And that also usually helps the harvest be a little bit higher. So kind of thinking it might be a little higher this year thank god there's smart people like you that know what you're doing and how to manage this appropriately you know you hear this conversation about a second rut a post rut later in the season Mm -hmm. is that a real thing in in places that have high deer populations and an unbalanced sex ratio so you've got a lot more females than you do males that does happen it's just because all the females don't get bred, and so then they, if the ones that didn't get bred, they come back into heat again, and so then the bucks ramp up their activity. And it's usually a much smaller peak because most of them do get bred. In Indiana, in most locations, we have a relatively balanced herd, and so most of our does are actually getting bred during the, you know, what would for other places be the primary rut. So it's our rut. And then you might have just the occasional place that, you know, maybe they're doing a little bit different style deer management. Maybe it's a you know fairly big group of properties or fairly big property where you might get a little bit later one if, if they've got a, a very large doe population and a small buck herd. But in general, for most of Indiana, we don't see that really pronounced late or that second rut like you might get in other places that have a more unbalanced herd. That makes sense. Joe Caudell, our state deer biologist, joins us on Indiana Outdoors today. Deer uh, management is complex any given time of the year, but disease is something that's always on your mind, and there's a lot of forces in Mother Nature against our cervid populations out there, one of which is CWD, chronic wasting disease, which is over the last 20 years had much science and much reporting. Indiana still has not necessarily identified a case of CWD, but we know in the surrounding states around us, they have. And this year, there's some, again, measured controls for hunters to voluntarily participate in CWD. What does that look like this year? Yeah, so essentially any year, you can bring a deer to our fish and wildlife properties, and we have a cooler there. You can drop off that head, or like if it's a 
um, uh, deer that you want to take with you, you know, you can schedule with a biologist and or the property manager or somebody, and they can pull out those lymph nodes. But uh, if a hunter is interested, they can always take their deer there. And, and we've got that list of our fish and wildlife properties, and I believe some of our hatcheries have those at them now. And so we always have that available. And then what we're doing is on opening weekend, we have biologists who are just – we're just trying to get different areas of the state so we can look and see if we have CWD in places maybe we're not expecting. And so this year we're kind of over in Allen County and and Adams kind of over in that corner. And then we've got a second larger group of folks who are going to be down in kind of South central Indiana. So like Owen Putnam green, uh, some of those counties down through there at processors on opening weekend. And we're just kind of trying to get around the state and look at all of our counties eventually and determine if we have, C, you know, maybe CWDs out there lurking somewhere and we just haven't detected it yet. And so that's kind of what we're doing to try to get around the state. But we'll be in those two areas on opening weekend. But like I said, you can always bring it to a fish and wildlife area and have your gear tested if you're interested. Well, as mentioned, Ohio, uh, Michigan, Illinois, uh, all have active management programs, Wisconsin, a lot of our states in the Midwest where they've learned to kind of live with CWD. And I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's there and they're managing and they're they're living with this. We don't have a reported case yet. And, you know, many people who are a lot smarter than me anticipate that at some point it's going to happen just with the way deer naturally work. But yep. in, your, in your biological perspective, what do you want hunters to be looking for, whether it's EHD, whether it's CWD? What what are some of the things you want hunters to be aware of as they're in the woods this year? Uh, you know, really, if, you, if you're seeing something odd, like, and, and that's a lot of times a deer that is maybe – very thin or skeletal and it's just not behaving properly like it's not really paying attention to its surroundings those kinds of things are tip-offs and then what they can do is we've got an online reporting form and that's at on.in.gov backslash sick wildlife or a lot of times i just tell folks so just google indiana dnr report a sick deer and, and, it'll, and it'll come up and they can let us know they've seen this now we of course you know we don't have a lot of folks like i'm the deer biologist for the whole state and so we review the reports some of them we like try to get back with them and follow up on but what we're doing is we're looking for those and looking for patterns and if we see something that piques our interest like a really thin deer that's salivating and it's circling and it's not acting correctly and it's got like kind of all these things going on then a lot of times those are ones we reach back out to the hunters and ask them about and then you know sometimes i mean of course you can get this with a lot of different things like even a deer that gets hit by a car who maybe has internal injuries that it looks perfectly fine from the outside but it could have internal bleeding going on and that kind of stuff. And it'll look just like that. And it'll eventually like kind of go downhill. So not everything we're seeing out there is CWD, but as best we can, when we find one that it looks like it might be a potential deer that's got a disease, you know, we we try to follow up on those as best we can. But again, with just such a small staff, it's it's kind of hard to, you know, address everything that's going on because we do get a lot of reports. But those reports kind of help us know what's going on out there. 
Well, we always talk about if you see something, say something, uh, whether it's illegal activity. I know there's an emphasis on poaching. We've ended our program yep. for 24 years, 1-800-TIP-IDNR. It's a tip hotline. It's confidential. It's free. A lot of folks in the woods, maybe for the first time since last year, everybody's got a cell phone. If you overhear something, you just suspect something, you see something, call the 1-800-TIP. It's an anonymous free call. Joe, in the short time that we have left, anything for the good of the cause? Hey, you know, the thing that's most useful for us is at the end of deer season, we send out that request to, to hear from hunters or even folks who aren't hunters. I mean, we, we take feedback from everybody. We want you to fill out that survey so we can find out what your interests are in terms of the deer herd and population size and what you've been seeing. And so really, you know, we try to get that out around February 1st, and if you've got a valid email with us from either purchasing a license or checking in a deer we will send you that survey just Very one quarter around that time and fill out that survey joe that uh, more than i wish you and all the biologists uh, success this fall i know you're going to be busy thanks for your contributions indiana outdoors and to the state of indiana we look forward to catching up with you again real soon thanks for being with us Hey, it's great being here. My my pleasure. A good friend, Joe Caudell, state deer biologist. I, your host, Brian Pointer. It's Indiana Outdoors. We're going to talk about Bat Week. Another one of our great biologists, Brad Westrich, joins us right after this. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. What a beautiful week. What a great fall we have had. So much to look forward to, especially the Indiana Outdoor Show, brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives.org. Sign up to be an organ and tissue donor when you buy your hunting and fishing license. Couldn't be any easier to help save up to eight lives and heal up to 75 others. Brad Westrich joins me as we talked about at the top of the hour. He is our non-game mammologist. It's a big word to say at this early hour, but Brad, it's great to have you back on the phone. You've become kind of a regular here. I always enjoy talking to our our non-game mammologist here in the state of Indiana, and it's been a busy time of the year, I'm sure, for you. But it's my understanding that we just ended, a, we just uh, are at the tail end of a very busy week, Bat Week, in the state of Indiana. How you been? I've been well. Thank you for having me again. I enjoy being a regular on the show. <laughs> me too. So, all right, we've got this Bat Week. Why is that so important? Oh, man. So Bat Week is it's a fantastic week. Every year, it's October 24th to the 31st. And it is important because bats are just so maligned in so many societies and cultures. People see them as these negative pests. They think of them as disease carriers, but they really do so much for us. And Bat Week is a good time to sort of change that perspective of how we are perceiving bats during this Halloween-themed era. And, and we're trying to educate people about bats, you know, really celebrate the fact that bats are out there eating insects out of our ecosystems that would otherwise be pests for us or our livestock or our agriculture even, and that they just do so much for, you know, spreading seeds in the tropics, pollinating plants that we rely on for food. And it's just a really good time to celebrate these really cool mammals. Well, I know that you and I have talked in the past and you spend a lot of time for this and you've been such an evangelist 
for, as you say, the much maligned bat. Now, mm-hmm. I they freak me out a little bit. I wouldn't say I'm scared of them like I am snakes. They petrify mm-hmm. me. But... <laughs> I forget these little guys and gals are, are mammals, so that's why it falls under your purview. But you do have a you've been very evangelistic about your approach of the good that bats do. I think everybody knows they eat kajillions of mosquitoes and other bugs, which is great, and helping them to survive and we've had some troubles with the bats. Is that behind us? Yeah, so the troubles with bats, they're still ongoing, unfortunately. So there's diseases out there that only affect bats, one of them being white-nose syndrome. Uh, That's a big one that affects our hibernating bats here in the state. It's this cold-loving fungus that lives in caves. And once that fungus is established in the cave, we haven't found a way to get rid of it yet. So every year when our hibernating bats go back to caves to hibernate in, they get reinfected. But we're not seeing as many bat deaths per winter, which is good. And we're starting to see the number of bats increase year after year. Now, unfortunately, the way bats biology works, they are very slow to reproduce. So we're going to see a slow, slow rebound in all hibernating bat populations. But, you know, biologists like myself, bat conservation group, and cave groups are actually doing a lot of great work to protect caves and to limit access during the winter months so that these bats can help survive. Uh, white nose syndrome. Well, I know with the help of man, Mother Nature is a beautiful creature, but with the help of man and great biology like you, I think most people get the fact when they have when they've closed some of these high profile caves in the interest of protecting bats, the citizens understand that, and that's a good thing because we want these critters around and we're doing everything we can to help them. But I think people understand when you have to do things like that, that it's going to help in the long run. And I heard you say a slow recovery is in in order. Mm -hmm, Definitely. And I agree with you. Uh, A lot of Hoosiers are fully on board with the protection and conservation measures that we have enacted here in Indiana to help the bats. And, you know, like you said, bats can be freaky to people. Uh, A lot of people do forget that they're mammals. Um, But that's what Bat Week's all about, is sort of reminding people about these species that we don't really see. They're out there at dark during the summer months, and we might not even see them, even though we're outside enjoying bonfires and each other's company. Uh, While we're doing that, the bats are out there eating the insects from all around us that would otherwise be a pest to us so they're pretty fast to celebrate them they're pretty even though they're a little creepy looking they're fascinating creatures and when you really get down to it i've had the opportunity through education with you and others i've seen them up close they're actually kind of pretty (laughs) pretty that only only a mother could love but they actually are kind of cute (laughs) in some ways and Outside of doing the big interview for Indiana Outdoors, highlighting Bat Week that was this past week, what are some of the other things that you've done to reach to the public to educate them about the importance of bats? Yeah, so this month, October, I have been booked with uh, a lot of garden groups around the state and uh, communities that host events at libraries. I've been giving bat talks uh, just pretty much nonstop to educate people about the bats in Indiana, the value of the bats that we have here in terms of helping protect our huge eco- our, our huge economy in terms of agriculture. Absolutely. And, and just, you know, getting people interested in bats. I've been going there with bat detectors, and we've been sitting out at night listening to bats that are foraging above us, sharing cool videos that I collected during our field seasons. 
And most recently, we're wrapping up edits on a video, uh, which is a virtual tour of Wyandotte Cave. Oh, very so cool. People, yeah. For, so for people who might not be able to get out to southern Indiana to check out this cave, maybe you're afraid of caves or you just can't get down there easily, uh, we, we use some funds to create this virtual tour of the cave. And it features bats. It features history and geology of the cave. So we're, we're hoping to sort of help people get there virtually to appreciate this wonder. So when do they go night-night? So bats are starting to get into hibernation right now. The females are likely uh, going in for the deep sleep. Males are starting to go in there now. And the rest of our bats are migratory species, and they're already moving further south to get towards the Gulf states and even down towards Central America. That's insane how beautiful Mother Nature is and resilient and smart these creatures are. And thankfully, there's smart biologists like you for being a part of Indiana Outdoors. As our state mammologist, anything else that you're working on? What's front and center besides the bats? Oh, front and center beside the bats, I am working on surveys for Allegheny wood rats, which are a state-endangered species. They occur in only about 40 miles of cliff line on the southern border of Indiana, uh, right along the Ohio River. And they've been hanging on uh, for the past 30 or 40 years down there. Historically, they used to occur all the way up to about Bloomington. There's tons of great cave features between Bloomington and southern Indiana, and those rats used to thrive here. Uh, unfortunately, habitat degradation and predation from like outdoor cats and things like that have caused their populations to decline to what they are now. Damn cats. But I know, I know. <laughs> but we're starting to work regionally with other states because they have the same problem uh, to start a captive propagation facility so that we can combine our rats uh, to sort of create this really strong genetic base. And then we're just going to spread their young across all these states uh, in their habitats to try to help bolster these populations. I can only imagine what people are thinking right now, but thank God there's people like you, Brad. <laughs> As always, great work. Keep up the good stuff. Celebrate Bat Week and all the great things that they bring to our ecosystem. And I hope that we continue to have you back here and talk about great stuff. Thanks for being with us, Brad. Thank you very much. My pleasure. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show brought to you by Indiana Donor Network. Driven to save lives.org. It's the Indiana Outdoor Show. I'm your host, Brian Pointer. It's all you need to know. We're going to be back right after this. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. What a great show. Great to visit with Joe Caudell, state deer biologist, early in the show, and then Brad Westrich, who is the uh, non-game mammologist finishing off Bat Week. I love talking to Brad, one of my favorite in the biology biology community. Here in Indiana, we got such great ones. But uh, several weeks ago, we were talking about timber and forestry open houses, and I want to bring this kind of full circle. And as I mentioned at the top of the hour, uh, the assistant state fire coordinator joins me, Mark Huter. It's great to have you be a part of Indiana Outdoors. You know, these uh, this timber harvest, a lot of this money goes back to, in the form of grants, to counties where these this timber was harvested. And some $350,000 has been granted back to a lot of these local municipalities. First of all, thanks for being a part of Indiana Outdoors and being with us today. How does all this come about, and what does that mean to these local communities, and what do they use that money for? 
Yeah, thanks, Brian. Uh, yeah, this was for the uh, Volunteer Fire Department's uh, grant or VFA for Volunteer Fire Assistance Grant. Uh, this um, money goes back to a lot of the fire departments that are in, in great need. It's a, a 50-50 grant. Um, we will uh, match up to $5,000 for um a project that qualifies uh, for the requirements uh, for for that particular department. It could be anything from uh, new radios to pagers to a new turnout gear, since that's only good for ten years till it expires. And there's also other projects that definitely qualify as well. Um, but no, it's uh, we had. 86 departments that applied for the grant this year, and uh, we were able to award 80 of those fire departments from 50 counties. So That's pretty impressive, and it's huge multiplier effect. As you talked about, it's a matching grant, but you know, when you're matching five grand in a local volunteer fire department, um, you know, that $10,000 goes a long way towards keeping communities safe, and it's the result of, of timber harvest sale uh, across Indiana, and that's a bigger, broader question, but a portion of those sales comes back in the form of these grants. Is that a fair statement? Uh, that that money does go back to the fire departments that do have timber sales in those counties, uh, but that has nothing to do with this grant. Got it. Um, uh, this is this is actually uh, money that's been awarded from the federal government for ah. each state. And it's uh, up to us and each state entity that puts this program on to decide how to disperse the funds. Uh, Indiana has decided to match up to $5,000. Um, a lot of the volunteer fire departments uh, have, have trouble coming up with that match. So if they wanted to reach the full 5000 they would have to have a project that's over $10,000. So, like, they would... Uh, it takes quite a bit for a small volunteer fire department to, to match that 5000 There's only so many fish fries and car washes and hot dog sales you can do to come up with that. So. No, that's a very good point. And like I say, each and every week I learn something different. Today is in line with every other Saturday, but it's very important to go back. i got to ask you, as you are the assistant state fire coordinator, you don't hear a lot about fires, especially forest fires here in the state of Indiana. Does that occur? Oh, there's uh, quite a few wildfires, um, but the the volunteer fire departments probably take care of 98% of them. Uh, when when they're really having problems with them, and they and they've had two or three fire departments there, and they still can't grasp and control that fire, they'll they'll give the DNR fire headquarters a call. But uh, we're we're sometimes two two and a half hours away from a fire call way down south. Um, but yes, most of the fires that, that do happen, for instance, this past weekend, there was quite a few fires uh, down south with the, uh, the combine fires going on. And I think yeah. there was a peat fire way up north and there was a handful of other fires that were just popping up because it was so dry in, in the, in the Southern portion of the state. Well, it was dry and it was windy. I mean, this red flag warnings that were out and other things with, that's a perfect combination as you talk about timber harvesting and all the uh, field fires and other things that take place that thank God there's folks like you that are trained and go out and do that stuff. Uh, do you get involved with any of the coordination with any of the Western states with the resources that we have here in Indiana for their fire seasons? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very in, involved with that. Uh, we were able to send out a, a crew of 20 people this year to, to help out the state of Oregon. Um, but they were, they were out there for a, uh, 
two two weeks, but it took him about two and a half days to drive out there, and then two and a half days to drive back. Wow! But, have you seen the new show that's on Friday nights called Fire Country? I have not. Oh, it's a pretty good one. It just started, so it's early in the season. It's about some firefighters and uh, doing what you do and what your the great folks in Indiana do to protect. And I encourage you to watch it. It's called Fire Country. I think it's on CBS. Okay, I'll take a look at that. Anything new for the good of the cause? I always enjoy talking to people. Did you always end up thinking you were going to be a f- assistant state fire coordinator for the state? Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, Come I mean, on. Was a, that wasn't your child. You didn't dress up like that for Halloween? No, my, I, I was actually wanting to be like an arborist or a tree climber in a bucket truck because those buckets were pretty cool. But uh, Really? Uh, no, my... Uh, so you're a little sick back, in the head. Those things are dangerous. I hate those uh, things. I grew up in the city, and those those trucks were always around. But my uh, avenue to the outdoors was Boy Scouts, and then from from that it uh, went went towards forestry, and I just ended up in this this location. So, well, we're glad that you did, and I know that uh, our state forester and all those great forestry professionals around the state of Indiana who do such great work managing our timber do appreciate what you do as well because you have such an important role and i wish you well this fall and hope you don't have much to do let's put it that way i hope you're just sitting (laughs) on your hands not worrying about fires well i appreciate that brian we uh we hope for a a nice calm quiet fall and thank you so much for being a part of indiana outdoors we look forward to talking to you and congratulations on all these grants appreciate it we'll talk to you soon okay thanks brian it is indeed my pleasure to be with all those great professionals and Mark and all the great staff, the people that monitor and work on these fires across the state of Indiana. A lot of local volunteer fire departments are now happier, and we are happy here. It's the Indiana Outdoor Show. Don't go anywhere when we come back. We're brought to you by Indiana Donor Network. We're going to wrap it up right after this. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. I love these fall programs. I truly do. It has been a great week. It's been a great month of October to get out and experience college campus football, to fairs and festivals all over the state, watching the crops come out, just getting in the car and doing a Sunday drive, and, of course, all the opportunities for fall fishing, field and forest, you name it. A lot of folks getting out there. I've seen a lot of venison already put in freezers a lot of folks getting ready chatter has started about deer camp traditions it's going to be here before we know it and many thanks to joe caudell our state deer biologist who is truly one of the country's best we're in great hands here with his biological expertise you heard him after the season probably some of the most important work that hunters can do is respond to the survey that goes out sometime February and March so that they can kind of make their plans and manage appropriately and, more importantly, hear the voice of Hoosier hunters out there who buy licenses and even those that don't. Uh, your contributions are very much appreciated. Did you know it was Bat Week this week? I did not. What did you do to celebrate? I didn't do a darn thing. But... I know guys like our biologist, our mammologist, biologist in the state, Brad Westrich, was very busy 
promoting uh, the importance of bats. We've talked to him many times specifically about bears and a few times about bats, and we forget about them. And he does such a great job here in the state of Indiana. As you as you heard him say, he's been booked out most of this past week talking about evangelizing for the bat. Now, I'm, oh, I'm going to begrudgingly say this. I've come around to the bat, not so much to the snakes, but they don't freak me out because I think they are kind of cute and they do a lot of great work. I just don't necessarily want to be around them because they do kind of creep me out just a little bit. Nonetheless, folks, it is the Indiana Outdoor Show. Thanks to Joe Caudell, Brad Westrich, Mark Huter talking about fire in the state of Indiana. We appreciate them as always. We appreciate you to remember to turn in a poacher, 1-800-TIP-I-D-N-R-O-C in Field and Forest. See you outside. See you next week. Have a great week in the Indiana outdoors, everybody.